takes, rid this dictator. POTUS my tail, ask the beta, prime time primo, rhyme Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Raymond, the co-creator of Juicy Bits and a Coalition Snow ambassador. And I'm Jen Gorecki, your co-host and the CEO of Coalition Snow. For those of you who are new, get ready to laugh, cry, and maybe pee your pants a little. Juicy Bits is about taking the conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and bringing them to you to explore alternative narratives that challenge the status quo about what it means to be a modern woman in the outdoors. Grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride. FYI, friends, this podcast is for mature audiences, so you've been warned. Let's get to work and juice the patriarchy. 2021 has already been a fucking year within itself, and we're two weeks in. I think that perhaps we were all a little bit naive um, or optimistic or needed to feel better about the world that um, what happened with the insurrection at the Capitol last week has been uh, just sort of devastating and awe-inspiring and also perhaps our new new normal. Um, and today, Jillian and I are going to, this is what we're going to focus on. We're, we're going to focus on what happened on, on at the Capitol. We're not going to talk about Republicans or Democrats or, or Trump because none of this is really political. We want to talk about whiteness we want to talk about white supremacy. We want to talk about what we can do if we choose to use our voice about these things. And really what's going to come here is just a conversation between Jillian and myself trying to wrap our minds around the fucking madness um, that we're witnessing, that we are living, that we are living through. What we are living through, we could not underestimate how significant and impactful these moments are. And you know, Jen, there are listeners hopefully will, will gain from this, not only a, a place for them to process, whether it's their, their own thoughts, their own conversations, their own whiteness, their own, um, how would I say, like unfortunate run-ins with whiteness because it's so sickly in, ingrained in, in, in everything that we do, that the only way you can combat it is by naming it and recognizing it. And so in a scary way, what was brought to the surface in on January 6th so grossly demonstrates white privilege and male privilege to a T. And the fact that, and I don't want to get political either, but just the fact that our, our lawmakers and, and Congress people are using language and naming that in such a, a public forum while the world is watching, it's like the only thing. Talk about like optimism or a little bit of like hope going into 2021. I'm like, I would like, and it, it isn't just about global representation, but I would like to not think that that mob, that group 
that participated in the insurrection on the six is in any way representative of the human that I am or that the community that I live in. And I think part of what's being spoken about and being looked at, and it's thankful for media images and diverse headlines and the importance of things being shared on social media and videotaped just gives us more and more of those primary sources. So while we're living in it, because sometimes it's hard to see it when you're in it. It's just like, it's like, it's happening to us, happening all around us. And I think if we can do our listeners a bit of that service to, and I promise I wouldn't say this, what, in like season two, but this is like an unpacking kind of episode. It, I think I think it's necessary because it's the process and and the understanding of it is complex. It's complicated. Yeah. Even though in a sick way, you're almost like, oh, what? You're surprised that a bunch of white males that think that they can do whatever the fuck they want, did whatever the fuck they wanted with the right. well, here's, of police and politics, like growth. So right. But here's, here's the thing. No one should be surprised because this is what the United States was built on. Yeah. What, what we saw un- unfold was just another example of the social, economic, and political systems that have been in place prior to the establishment of the United States as a proper country that have allowed certain people to maintain power and other people to have power taken away from, from, from them. And, and, you know, I, I am similar to you, Jillian, in that I this this doesn't feel representative of, of who I am. I I see a future for this country and for people that is better than what we saw. But I think we need to be honest with ourselves that 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 is that is how this country has operated, and what and these all of these systems, whether it's the media or education or or politics or the workforce, have been created in in such a way that we 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 don't even contemplate how normal absolute white supremacy and white violence in this country has always been and the moment we started to see perhaps even the the slightest turn this summer this is the sort of force that progress is being met with and it's dangerous because how i think of it is i'm like this is where and I think about it dangerous for right now. So uh, to, to your point of how this is, how our, our, our nation, our country, what our collection of, um, you know, states has, has always existed in is what does it look like? And this maybe you and I will get to as we, we talk about this, does it get like to, to shift it away? So those people that want to maintain power, want to maintain white power, where an instance like this, they're not going to go away, right? So they, so they're they're going underground. And I think of the this mob as the you know descendants of those that perpetuated violence, and you know to those doing peaceful sit-ins during the civil rights movement, and to those that um, you know were looking for freedom during the Reconstruction era, and those looking to um, you know kind of change the this this you know this puritan argument around slavery and and the justification of of the horrific practices that we have in in our country's history it's like they don't they don't go away and so they just they just manifest in these really scary and dangerous ways and i think we're seeing that in this resurgence and with the white supremacist commander-in-chief you know as 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 a 
this leader and this beacon has been so toxic. And then what does it do for those that have been working tirelessly to combat it? And even to combat their own internalization of it, like you spoke, it's everywhere, right? We're, we're around it. We're kind of like, we're kind of like swamped in it. And so then you try to transform and, and figure that out and get, and get rid of it. But then it's totally embedded within our systems and within what we see and consume. Right. And I think, you know, I've heard in, in the conversations that I've been having about this in, in the past week, and just, just to give our listeners context, we're recording this on January 14th. Uh, President Trump was impeached for a second time yesterday. Uh, the country is preparing for more violent attacks over the next week, um, leading up to the inauguration of Biden and, and Harris. But, you know, one one of the things that's been at the top of, of many conversations that I've been having with people is, so what can we do? People feel so help so helpless about this. And uh, I wrote a little piece about this for Lady Parts, which is the newsletter that I send out on Thursday. And I, I posted something in the clubhouse and um, on my Instagram. And, and this, this is what I said. I said, um, the audacity of whiteness can only be extinguished if we choose to speak up and examine our relationship with whiteness and power. What we can do is talk about last week's events in the most honest and, and, and truthful ways. We, we need to call this white supremacy. We need to call this um, white power. We need to call this white rage. We need to say out loud that had this been any other group of people, read black, brown, indigenous, there would have been countless arrests and dead bodies strewn all over the Capitol. We need to move away from conversations that exist in the binary of Republican and Democrat and them and us and understand that that we 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 being I'm going to we as me as a, a white person, as a white woman, um, we have to be very outspoken about what we've been seeing, because that is the only way that we're going to be able to make change. If, if, if we don't acknowledge what we saw, if, if we call it a protest or a mob or um, we're, we're doing a, a disservice to, to calling it what it is. And, you know, Jillian, you had said before we started this call, like the power of language of like using the right terms so that we can have context um, and understand what it is that we're really, that, that we're really dealing with. So we we need to start, we white people need to start having really fucking uncomfortable conversations in our relationships with our friends and our family and our coworkers and communities. And that is, that is about accountability. And um, that is about undoing our complicity in creating the culture for those, for those events. Well, and not even just creating it, but you, you, you often remind me of this and say it well, where it, we have to combat the, the ideology that it's just normal. It's normal and normative that that's the, whether it's our, you know, what is it? The hegemonic structure, not to like totally bring in the academy or the idea of that heteronormative narrative that we're all entrenched in. And I think when you start to talk about it first with like your nuclear people, right? Just say with your partners, with your immediate family. I know in my experience, it doesn't, 
um, thankfully with my partner, it goes well. And, and with friends, I mean, there's a few friends that over the last week, this has brought us to, you know, hour and a half, two hour conversations of them and me kind of witnessing their process and me still being in my own process and transformation. But I'm like, all right, if we have the language and we're willing to do the, the work and we have the time, then that's where the work gets put in. It doesn't go into them, which I completely, um, thankfully derailed a colleague from doing of like, Oh, I was thinking about asking like the wife of my friend, she's black to like run a book circle. I'm like, no, 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 no. You are not <laughs> don't do that. Um, no. it's, it's, again, your, your thoughts might be in the, I'm using it in my air quotes that you can't see, but I'm like, that's the, we're already have asked of the labor and the work of our, of our brothers and sisters and people of color and, and that community, that's not the work. The work needs to be done in the whiteness and mm-hmm. in the sense of doing the work ourselves. Cause look, I mean, it's so classic fucking normative, like white culture to expect that other people are going to do it for us. Right. And that yeah. other people are going to raise our children and clean our houses and other people and other people. And as opposed to like looking to the self and I, and I include myself in this just in my own um, work of aiming to be actively anti-racist and then catching myself in times where I'm like, wow, I'm so entrenched in the, in the privilege that I carry as a white, you know, hetero female. Like how, how do I, how do I combat that right now in this moment? How do I make space for others? How do I unlearn and then learn at the same time? Yeah. And so I, you know, I like how you put that, but I also feel like for some listeners, it's almost, and, and even just for, for humans, right? It feels really abstract. They're like, okay, well, where do I start? And, and what does that look like or feel like? And I know we've touched on this a few times in our, especially I think in season four, I think it's also a matter of shifting where and who you give your energy and attention to and shifting where and who you give your money to. And I will say I was profoundly impressed to hear that even though we could, I'm very critical of capitalism and that could be a different episode, but there are major institutions, major, major financial bodies that are completely divesting with anything to do with um, Trump or the Republican party until, well, Trump indefinitely, but for the Republican Party until they are actively denouncing white supremacy and the work um, that these insurrectionists are trying to work's not the right word. The 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 behaviors these insurrectionists are trying to disrupt our democracy. And again, our right. democracy is critiquable as well, but it, when it comes down to it, it's what we've got. And so working within that system, there are also ways to divest from it. So that was really positive to hear today, just from big major financial institutions, because that's what fucking makes the world go around right now, whether we like it or not. And I think that they're, they're all tied up in, in, in each other. Well, that's the same thing that, that we can be doing too. So all these corporations are pulling their, their funding, which is remarkable. We can do that too. Like I'm, I, what I saw during COVID was this, um, you know, people really thought about how they were going to, how they were going to spend their, their money, whether their economic situation changed or not. People became so much more thoughtful mm-hmm. about what businesses they supported. And there was a heavy emphasis on local um, and then a heavy emphasis on small and then also just businesses that represent your, your values. Then when we had Black Lives Matter um, movement again this summer, that was another instance. And when, well, well, this is, this is another piece of our decision-making as consumers of where, where we put our money. Like what, what is it that we're actually in investing in? 
And I believe that this is yet another opportunity for us to really examine who are we supporting. So, you know, looking at people's websites, looking at people's Instagram accounts, looking, you know, walking into their place of business and, and, and looking around there. Silence is complicity. You're, if you are silent, you are complicit, even at the corporate level. And Mm -hmm. this is something, so like as individuals, we can have really difficult, sometimes remarkable, fantastic, beautiful conversations with everyone in our life around this, we also can be really discerning about where we spend our money and ensure that we're not giving money to businesses, humans, um, anyone that continues to support leaders who behave in ways that undermine our democracy and continue to push forward an agenda of white supremacy. And it would just be, I mean, think of the fucking miraculous tide of just pulling out the met, the metaphoric rug underneath everyone that gets the answer of, hey, how come you stopped supporting me? Why did you unfollow me? And I'm like, oh, you're a white supremacist and your values make me sick. And it yeah. was interesting because as a teacher, sometimes it can be really challenging. And I'm super grateful for thoughtful resources out there. I mean, I had... Um, I mean, I was actually expecting more complaints, but I had about a half a dozen complaints from um, Trump supporting families of how I handled um, my lessons the day after the insurrection. And I was like, well, I just feel bad for their kids. Like, I don't really want to talk to them. And you can go back and look at my recordings. I stand by what I stand by. And I stand by, as you just said, like upholding our democracy, using vetted sources, um, speaking not neutral. And, and any teacher out there really curious on your, I just don't think we show up neutral. We, you just can't do it. I mean, maybe you can in mm. like an algebraic expression, but you sure as fuck can't do it as a history teacher. And so this, this level of understanding, like what your values are. And I'm like, you know, whether it's valuing human life, environmental life, biodiversity, um, looking for uh, a future that has um, values that includes all of humanity, looking at a future that is willing to do challenging transformative work because it actually benefits all of us in a way of making like a really inclusive, rich and not rich financially, but like rich in all the other ways besides the almighty dollar and how that would move us forward. And I think of what you touched on, Jen, as us as individuals and looking at corporations, it was really eye-opening when there were our, the uprisings um, and, and, and kind of community efforts and, and things related to social media, what I would say largely like in my kind of white community, um, it was, there was some that were really short lived. There were some that were still done out of the, like, I'll just be, you know, like be kind and I love everyone. And I'm like, yeah, that's fucking, that, that doesn't work that's right now. Easy. That's easy. That's fucking easy. Come yeah. On. And exactly. It's, it's, lazy and it's unfortunate. And I'm like, when they're like, Oh, well, we don't, we don't seem to talk about this or I haven't seen you. And I'm like, I really have to be honest. Like, that's not how I can move forward. I need to have, you know, people in my circle and people in my life that can do those hard conversations and there I am again, unpack it together because in that it's like that work is, is challenging and you do need, you do need thought leaders and you need thinkers and you need people that are willing to be critical about it. And the whole, like, I don't want to talk about it or I don't have to, that's another layer of that privilege that makes me really uncomfortable and not, not really want to be around. Yeah. And well, I had, um, I had a, I had a friend text me on Friday 
Um, and she identifies as a woman of, of color. And she, you know, this was sort of a, a similar conversation that we had multiple times over, over the summer, but she had texted me and said, I just can't believe that I still have friends who are, are challenging this notion of white supremacy. And they're, they're, they're coming to me still waving a Trump flag or saying that not, nothing's wrong. And, and what I said to her is I said, you know, I don't, I don't ha- I don't have that in my life anymore because for, and I'm not saying like, I'm not better than her or better than anyone, but for years, for years, I have refused to participate in, in being quiet about things. Like I piss people off all the fucking time. Like I get people who unfollow me on social all the time. I will be at dinner parties and get into arguments with people and I will have to leave. I, um, I, I refuse to be quiet about these issues. And, you know, like there's perhaps a way that I could do it in a more diplomatic way, but no, I actually don't know how to do that. But a fucking um, bit. If anything, you need to amp it up. Yeah, but I like I have fully embraced this like do not fucking talk to me about that shit. If like and and it's one thing like when people are sort of like learning and they're inquisitive, they're curious and they're they're open to hearing new things and they're reflective. Those are wonderful conversations that I will participate in any time. But all of the rest of the toxic shit, I am not fucking doing it and I will tell people to their fucking faces enough of that fucking noise, enough. And I have now found myself here in 2021, my personal feed, my business feed, nothing, nothing fills up with trolls. Like I have weeded out all these, all these people. And I certainly have gone through many years of feeling like, fuck, Gareki, just shut your fucking mouth. And like, God, people really don't like you. And like, God, like, you know, you, you definitely have those moments of just feeling like such a fucking asshole. But then like I come back to a moment like this and I'm like, I'm so grateful that I don't have to listen to this fucking shit and be disappointed in people who I thought that I invested in and who understood me. So my recommendation to people is like, yeah, burn the fucking bridge, burn it the fuck down. And and this, and this isn't even like I have completely different feelings about forgiveness. And so it's, it's, it's not that you like run, you go through every day hating people or disliking people or looking for fights or never for forgiving. Like that's a whole nother podcast, right? But it's, it's creating, it's creating this culture within your own life, a zero tolerance culture that anybody who interacts with you knows you have zero tolerance for it. And I think that that is what could really make a difference is because then then all the other conversations, like they can't happen. If people know this, you are a zero tolerance zone. And if, if more people became a zero tolerance zone, you wouldn't, those conversations wouldn't even be able to fucking happen in the first place. No, I love that. The zero tolerance zone, and think about it for us as professionals and the circles that we have to sit in, yeah. To have that as part of what's like, you know, I think about it as like the the tempered radical, whether it was things I had up in my classroom, um, the flags that I would share, um, things I would say, questions I would pose in, and I still pose, did it this afternoon in a meeting 
what they do, I think one, they, they let your, 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 the people in your circle see and feel and hear you in a different way and know that you're like that safe, other safe person that has a zero tolerance for it, but you nailed it to, to weed out that noise and weed out wasting the time on the shit. That's not debatable. Like we're not debating the systemic racism and we're not debating it. It exists. So now it's a matter of what is the responsibility on the part of those who benefit from it. If we don't call it out, that's where the conversation can go. And then that is kind of where the conversation leads into action as opposed to like the circular reasoning of like, Oh, well, I'm just a good person. And you know, I like everybody and you just want to be like, that's, it's kind of fucking wasting my time. And it's all, it's all back to that, maintaining that power and privilege and maintaining that status quo. And the thing I think that I really struggle with a little bit is this sense of this finite amount of power, right? Or this, or even, or people wanting to like acquire power and how white supremacy and, and, and white power has sort of sold that. It's the same thing like the, with the fucking bullshit of the American nightmare, or I mean like the American dream that sold it's like, <laughs> the American oh, nightmare. I mean, a dream. Nightmare. And I think I have to be careful when I say that because I, maybe it was Ibram Kennedy. Somebody wrote a really epic piece for the Atlantic. And I remember thinking, I, I've used that before in my history classes because it is a fucking nightmare. It's like, Oh, Subscribe to all these, you know, toxic values and practices and fucking kneel down at the foot of capitalism so you can die early from a disease that we give you because you're so stressed out all the time because you're never really going to reach this because it's not fucking real. And so within that, it's like maintaining all that power and privilege. I also think it's a way that it manages people's dissent, keep them busy enough, working hard enough to not take be able to step back and, and reevaluate their lives, not by the dollar and not by these, you know, kind of white normative measures of success. And also what that means in just the white community and how that imposes it on communities of color and, and indigenous communities of their own. And I, I can't speak to this, but I, I just feel like it, 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 it fits here, like the, the sense of a pressure or a struggle to ascribe to something that isn't even that fucking good, but they've been sold it and, it, yeah. and they've, they've been covered in it. And so there isn't that finite amount of power, but then the power that people are going after, you don't even want it because it's gross and it's dangerous. And that yeah. I think goes back to being able to have those conversations that get you to that curious and creative and innovative place to move so far away from that because you've weeded out the noise and you're like, oh, I don't have to explain to this person why Wednesday's event was a demonstration of white male privilege. So they get it. So then we can go from here. But if they didn't get it and they're curious, I'm kind of help them talk through. But if they're going to dare waste my fucking brain power to tell me that it was just a protest exercising I'll fucking my rights. forget about it. Oh, you're a fucking yeah. crybaby because you missed your loser in chief. Like, really, F all of you. Yeah. Um. So that is. Sorry, Autumn, from you can do that, but I think it was good. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, the American nightmare published in the Atlantic on June 1st, Ibram X. Kendi. So yes, that was a good reference, Jillian. Okay, you got yeah, that one. You, awesome. you got it. Yeah. Um, that. and if you haven't read fucking Ibram, read him head to toe, get anti-racist baby. And he just put out, this is brilliant. So him and Jason Reynolds, um, may adapted his, his book stamped for the young adult. And I've been reading that and working on that with my eighth graders in a predominantly, um, I have 40 of them and they're predominantly white students. And it's been really engaging and powerful work. Again, I've had a bunch of parents complain about me, but I'm like, I don't fucking care. Oh, you don't like the author. That means you don't like black people. You want, you want me to take a meeting with you? Cause you're a racist. Like I feel bad for your kid. I'm going to teach your kid then and just move on. 
Um, they just released one for the like seven to like 11 year old. So for, um, you know, teachers out there, parents, um, aunts and uncles, if you're like, okay, how do I help bring this to my, to my family in a way that's, you know, immersing them. I mean, he just won book of the year award. It's just, it's phenomenal work. And him and Jason Reynolds, their collaboration is bringing his work as a historian and professor, along with someone who's really, uh, really nuanced in adapting work to young adult audiences. Yeah. No, there's so much, there's so much good, good stuff out there now. Totally. Um, yeah, I think that like, and I think in the in the context of this conversation too, I think it's really important to understand that a new administration isn't going to resolve these problems for us. And while I'm in full support of the new administration and welcoming that transition, um, it doesn't. It's like remember when Obama got elected and people were like, "This proves that there's no ra- ra- no racism," and you're like, "What?" what? Like, just because we have a black president doesn't mean that there's not racism. And just because Kamala Harris is going to be the first black woman, black vice president doesn't mean that things are fixed. And just because Biden has this aggressive, um, and I mean, aggressive in a positive way, aggressive um, agenda and is filling his, his cabinet with remarkable humans and, and arguably the most diverse cabinet that we've ever seen in the history of the United States. While all of that is um, progress and, and lovely to say the least, it doesn't mean that everything's going to change. There is so much work to be done at the individual level with us, once again, us being white people, understanding our own privilege and our whiteness and our complicity and then our ability to hold other people accountable, our ability to amplify other voices, but then even like holding our, you know, our, our local businesses, corporations, educational systems, workplaces, like holding all of this accountable. Um, and, and really like we will likely I mean, I, so I know that I'm going to die in my sixties in a car accident in Africa. So I give myself about 20 more years on this planet. I don't know if I'll ever see the complete change that I want to. Right. But like, there's certainly something, um, that I like one thing that gets me out of bed every day is knowing that I can do something and just fucking doing it and, and thinking big and, looking at something like COVID um, and, and looking at what happened with the Trump administration and looking at the, the, you know, the opportunities that were presented to us with Black Lives Matter, like all of this presents to us a great opportunity to reimagine the future and create it rather than just going along to get along as Chrissy people said. And, and, you know, just going, going with the, the or, or, or wanting to return back to normal, like fuck normal, normal fucking sucked. Like let's do something different. Normal is what created the circumstances by which those people were able to storm the Capitol and kill people and hunt down our elected officials and try to undermine our democracy. That was normal. Oh, and trespass normal created that and mock our elected officials and completely it'd basically be like if they didn't which maybe some of them did it's just kind of like taking a piss on all of it 
Well, they, and, they literally actually took a piss on all of it, Jillian. Oh, they yeah. pissed shit in the fucking, they did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then to, I, 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 I always love kind of one. I love how you kind of read, like help refocus and like direct us in the conversation. But I also feel like your positivity is contagious. Cause it's not just like, you know, puppies and fucking ice cream, right? It's like positive <laughs> grounded in the reality of like there's hard work to do, but it's also that like that work is positive and it's fucking mm-hmm. good. Like gets you out of bed being like, I'm gonna be able to like share about this critically, think about it critically, and what it does for the the human potential and the human spirit to fucking tackle shit that's hard and doing hard things and overcoming. Cause I couldn't agree with you more whether the post-racial society of the Obama era, um, people arguing where it's like, oh, well, look, there's women CEOs or, oh, there's, there's, there's women elected officials. Like, woo-hoo. and it's such a one, it's kind of a lazy and I think it's short-sighted and it goes along with those, like the ignorance is bliss piece. If you don't choose to pay attention to it, you don't, when you don't have to, it just furthers that privilege. So I do think the words for 2021, it will be about accountability and this new administration, and it will be holding one, not only just accountability, but then also how do we help support those that are currently in office? Because I don't know what it would look like. What if we had the 117th Congress right now? So we get two years to so be the 119th Congress um, sworn in again to continue to see the shift towards um, humans that represent values that push us forward in society. And again, don't think about it as like this finite amount of power, but it's like that power, just like our resources, right? They're, 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 they're shared out in a way that people's human potential is realized because they have access. And to me, that's so much of what white supremacy and white power has crippled and continues to cripple is just this denying of access and these barriers. And some of them are very real. And then some of them are, they're, they're almost like metaphoric and entrenched in a way that people self-internalize them. And they, they internalize the sense of powers. Cause like you said, they're like, Oh, well that's just normal. That's how it should be. White men should be able to do that. They should be able to be mediocre and get all this fucking attention. They should be able to be trespassing, stealing, violent a-holes and that's okay. And it's like, no, cause that mess message trickles down to the youngest of our young, all, all genders and gives them a really, really dangerous message that that's okay. And they can expect that behavior from the fucking playground to the classroom, to their own small nuclear family. And so disrupting that and challenging that comes holding ourselves accountable, those closest to us that we love, asking those hard questions, surrounding yourself with those that you can springboard off to then do the do some really great work as well well and i think that that's the perfect way i think that's the perfect way to end this episode is asking all of you who are listening what does 2021 mean to you what what are you going to put forward like here here jillian has just talked about accountability um and our values and we would love to hear from you what will you be moving forward in 2021 with, which is not a, not a resolution, not an intention, not, you know, but more like a manifesto of existence and a, you know, what is it that you plan on personally creating or, or supporting um, here? Because this is like, we are here now is the time if it hasn't been before. And uh, this is like, there's so much work to be done. So we would love to hear from you. 
what are your 2021 words? What are your 2021 commitments? What is that, you know, what are you going to be doing moving forward so that these conversations don't get um, superseded by some false promise of a new administration or a -hmm. new year? Yeah. Or the countdown to 2022, because that's not going to fucking help us. It's just, they're just fake days and times and minutes anyway. So Although there's, there's going to be a lot of really, there's going to be a lot of really cute outfits in 2022, <laughs> a lot of really fun parties. So I don't want to discourage people from planning for what ideally will be a, a really great year, but this 2021, we, we, we're still going to fucking sit in this shit, friends. We are going to sit know. in this we're, shit. We're deep in the fucking shit. Um, <laughs> so let's be in it together. We're fucking stewing and marinating in it. And I would also say, Ricky, I love that. I love this fucking, what is this, this manifesto? What did you say? Manifesto of experience? What did you say? Just, it was good. Just your, your, your manifesto, like your personal manifesto rather than resolutions or intentions what what is your manifesto for 2021 all right we can't wait to hear from all of you as always um sorry not sorry thank you (laughs) for being here we love you all um i love you and honestly we have so much fucking work to do we're we're just gonna we're doing the work we're doing it all right till next time yeah signing off